are pressing on through our study of the book of Joshua. And you might think, well, man, what? It's Mother's Day. We've been talking mothers all day. Why would we continue to press on through Joshua? But I love, and you're going to see this over the next few weeks, I love how things line up the way God plans them. Uh, his word never returns void, as Lance reminded us a moment ago. And the instructions he has for us applies to all of us. Um, today we're going to talk out of the book of Joshua again, and this idea, uh, the idea for the day is impossible. It's impossible. And I, and I thought about how this relates to Mother's Day and mothers in general, and, and I can imagine... My mom's here today. I'm so glad she's here. I can imagine there were times in her life where she thought, gosh, to raise this kid right, it's going to be impossible. You know what I mean? I can tell you that my wife and I have sat and had really heart-wrenching conversations where we go, we don't want to screw this up. And then we just like, that's going to be impossible, Right? Mother's Day is one of those days where we, where we make everything, I mean, as beautiful as we can, and we do the flowers, we do the tablecloth, we do everything. We have lunches and dinners and celebrations and flowers and cards, and Hallmark has people who write things that say things that we can't say ourselves, and we put it all in this package, and we try to make it perfect, but it's impossible. It really is. Sometimes the conversation happens the other way around. It's not from a mother to their child thinking, how can we do this, God? How can we raise this child? How are we going to survive today? It's impossible. But sometimes it's the children, isn't it? Sometimes days like today's are stressful because we go, God says, honor my mother and my father? That's impossible. Sometimes um, we get stressed out and we say things like, my mother is impossible. None of you say that, though, do you? <laughs> None of us here. But I've heard people say it who aren't here right now. She's so impossible. Today I want to share a scripture with you. We've actually heard it in many ways. Dale shared a bit in the back and, uh, about the truth that, well, this is what Jesus said himself. He said, with people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible, right? This is Jesus' own teaching to his disciples about how we can enter into the kingdom of heaven, how can we be part of what God is doing in the world. And, and, and the disciples, when they heard the truth, they said, oh, Lord, how can we ever make it? And he said, it's impossible for you to do it alone. But with God, all things are possible. Let me reconnect that for a minute with what I just shared with you. Some of you are moms and you're stressed out. You're dads and you're stressed out. How can we do this right? It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Maybe you have a, a broken or unhealthy or a lost or a damaged relationship with your own mother. Maybe you can't celebrate. Maybe today she's not here. And you say, I want to honor her, but it's impossible. And I want to remind you that with God, all things are possible. Well, this truth that Jesus taught to his disciples in the New Testament, we love to tell about the things that Jesus taught. We're like, man, Jesus had these radical teachings. He came totally different angle from everyone. But you see, the truth is when you look at the word of God, God's been saying the same things all along. 
Jesus just came and spoke the truth into a culture that wasn't hearing it right. But the truth hasn't changed. And the truth is today we'll see from the book of Joshua that with God, all things are indeed possible. As we enter into the word of God today, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. We always pray because, again, understanding God's word, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Let's pray. Father, today we've come here to seek your wisdom and your will, to understand more about who you are first. We want to know you more, not the false God we've made up in our head that we think you are, but you really who you are. So Father, we ask that you would break down those walls, those barriers that are up that we've constructed, the gods of our own image, tear them down, that we could know you more fully, that we could worship you more properly, and we, and we could be drawn near to you. And then Father, we ask that you would do a miracle today, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear a truth too great to understand, and that we could begin to understand and apply and live out in our own lives the realities of the promises of your scriptures. And so we ask today that you make the impossible possible among us. Guide us, teach us, lead us. Show us how to love. Show us how to live. And we will give you glory and praise and honor because you are the only one that can do it. We ask you to go with us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna go ahead and turn the book of Joshua to Joshua chapter 10. It should be on page 155 if you use one of our Bibles. I would encourage you to go ahead and get one out and um, open it up and look at it. You know what I mean? If nothing else, it makes you look like you're doing the same stuff that we're trying to do together. And uh, you might just find some stuff in there that, that really resonates or relates to your own life. God's word never returns void. We've been studying the book of Joshua since the beginning of the year, and we're going to be wrapping up like right around July. It's almost half the year we've dedicated to studying this book of Joshua. It's an amazing time in God's word. It's an amazing blessing to do so. And today we pick up after, right in the middle of all these battles, we've talked so many, so many truths really, it's too much to retell. If you've not been reading the word, I hope you begin to read with us and ask God, what is he teaching through his word? Today we're going to pick up right here in verse 10 in the middle of the battle of the Israelites. They're taking the promised land. The question the video asks is what's next? How do we enter into the promised land? Today we're going to hear about impossible things. Listen to what the word says. Now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and his king what had been done to Jericho and its king, that the, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and were living near them. I want to stop just a second. You remember that the kings had heard what happened in Ai, right, or Ai. They had heard about Ai's fall. And they heard about Jericho's fall. You know the story about Jericho. They walked around, the walls came down. I was delivered the same way, another city, a great city. And now Gibeon, Gibeon, you're going to hear in a minute, is a great city. And Gibeon was handed over to the Israelites as well. Read, read with me. Verse 2, he and his people, that's the king and his people, were very much alarmed because of this, because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than I, and all of its men were great fighters. So this was a big deal whenever Gibeon went. Remember what they did? They tricked the Israelites. They pretended they were poor and lost. And Israel had mercy on them and gave them protection. Okay? And they're discouraged when they hear this. 
verse 3. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, that's a good name for a king, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, uh, Japhia, king of Lashish, and you can correct me later, and Debir, king of Eglon. It just means they got all his buddy kings together. He's like, we got a problem, right? Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. You see, you remember, they were all aligning against Joshua. Remember, all the kings were in a fight, but Gibeon decided to go and try to make peace instead, and they did it through trickery, and then now they're going to go and they're going to fight their former ally. Isn't that interesting? They're going to fight their former ally in Gibeon. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, listen to the words, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lashish, and Eglon joined forces and they moved up with all their troops and took positions against Gibeon and they attacked it. You see? The Gibeonites sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because of the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined against us. That's pretty wild, isn't it? I mean, some key words here that we hear from the Gibeonites is, we are your servants. Remember, that's what they said when they first came, we are your servants. And then God said, you're their servants. And now they're like, we're your servants, and we're being attacked because of you. We're being attacked because of you. And in this moment of crisis, this moment of desperation, they cry out to Joshua for him to defend them against their enemies. This is the first principle that we're going to kind of pull out today from this text. And, and I hope you catch the shuffling of the board, the, the rearrangement of the pieces here. But the truth is, and this is something we're going to realize in our life, that in Christ, enemies become allies. Enemies become allies in Christ. The truth is that before this, the Gibeonites and the Israelites, you know, they hated each other. They were never on the same side. The Gibeonites would never ask Israel for help. They had been aligned with the other five kings. And here in this moment, in this, in this new reality, in this pact with God, this promise where Israel had done the right thing and honored its commitments to Gibeon and not destroyed it, they said, now you're our friends, fight for us. You know, the truth is that I said to you a minute ago about, about our relationships that we don't often invite God in. We don't ask for his help. We don't ask for his partnership. We don't even include him in the conversation. And so we remain enemies instead of allies. Uh, I told some of you before, but the reality was that before I was a believer in Christ, I did not get along with Christians. Not your fault. <laughs> we just didn't get along. It's like we were speaking different languages. It's like we were from different countries. It's like we had different realities that we lived in. It made no sense to me. My carnal mind, my human mind, it was, it was, it was craziness. It was impossible. But then Christ intervened. Then Christ broke me. Then Christ asked me, do you want me to go with you? And I began to walk with God. The first time I remember I had a conversation with the enemy, I couldn't believe it was an ally. I couldn't believe it. I went to this broken relationship that had been broken for years, and, and, and we were on the same page. God began to do a healing. God gave me love for somebody. I, I couldn't stand them before. I loved them. I would give my life for them. 
And I thought, Lord, this is impossible. We have never gotten along. The truth is that in this moment, um, God invited us back into relationship. You know what I mean? I, mean, I want to be real with you guys. Some of you guys are like doing the like, yeah, I'm with Jesus thing. But then you're still living your life like you're not with Jesus. Like you're with Jesus, the reconciler of all relationships. You're with Jesus, the all-powerful God of the universe, the beginning and the end. And then you live your life with other brothers and sisters as if it's going to be broken forever. There's no hope. It's impossible. The God of the Bible turns enemies into allies. You begin to fight for the same cause. As a matter of fact, I'll show you here that look at this in verse 9. Look at what Joshua does. When, Gil, when um, the Gibeonites come to him and they say, help us, help us, you know, he could have done a lot of things. And this is what he does. He does an all-night march from Gilgal, and he took them by surprise. I mean, Joshua jumps up for his servants immediately. You know, he says, we're going to go and defend our brothers and sisters. We're going to save their city from their enemy." And enemies become allies. You know, this is the really messed up thing about following Jesus is because people who don't follow Jesus don't know why you would give your life for someone that doesn't agree with you. Would you do that? Would you give your life for someone that doesn't agree with you? Would you die for your enemy? That's what following Jesus looks like. Sometimes it's not the big stuff. We think, especially guys, we read this, we're like, oh, I died for my you know, enemies. How would that work? But it's, maybe it's the little things. Maybe it's the most intimate relationships where Christ says, come and lay down your life and follow me. Believe that there's a better way in Jesus. I'll just show you something here that uh, Jesus taught his disciples. It's from Matthew. And um, this is what he said. Now, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. (laughs) We're like, we're down with that, Jesus. And then he says this, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You've not heard that before. See, we get caught up we get stuck in these battles of our life of who's the friend and who's the foe. And we forget that God is at work, right? And we aren't willing to redraw the lines. We aren't even willing to believe he could do it. And so years, and this is tragic, as followers of Jesus, we say, well, they're the enemy. They're the enemy. And we never once take Jesus' own instructions to love them pray for him and believe that he can somehow reconcile us in ways that we could never imagine never imagine praise God for this work my first question for you is this how often do you pray for your enemies notice I didn't ask you do you pray for your enemies how often I'm going to push it a little harder How about if you're in a hard relationship right now? How how about if there's that person that just drives you crazy? 
just drives you nuts. You just, you just, when you wake up and somebody says your name, you're in a worse mood already. Why do you got to start the day like that talking about them? How often do you pray for that person in your life? Are you following Jesus? Do you believe what he says? I would encourage you to learn with me that we ought to pray and pray often for our enemies. I want to pick up again here in verse 9. Verse 9 of chapter 10, it says this, After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. That would be the enemies of God, the enemies of... um, After an all night, took them by surprise, and the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon, you see. Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Horon, and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel on the road down Beth Horon to Azkeda, the Lord hurled large hailstones down from, uh, from heaven, and they, more of them died from the hailstones than they were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Uh, this reality is that in the middle of a battle, right, God is intervening on behalf of Israel. You, you remember that this is five kings coming against Gibeon, and this could have been a really, you know, hard situation to think about. The truth is, though, that in Christ, the impossible things become probable, right? I mean, the things that, that we say, there's no possible way that this can work, I, I want, I, that if you believe Christ's promise, if you believe that God is with us, if you believe that he is able to do infinitely more than we can hope for or imagine, then it's not, only impo- it's not impossible, it's probable that it'll come out differently, Impossible things become probable. I want to show you two things here from verses 9 through 11 and then verse 12 that that, uh, we learn. The first is this, that Joshua faithfully responds to the crisis. Like he gets up and does something, you know. And I'm trying, I hope you're with me, but I'm trying to break this out of this kind of idea of an old battle back there with those dudes who are crazy or whatever into a real deal where you're facing your enemy right now today. And the question is, are you going to get up and pursue the enemy with a passionate belief that God is with you? That he wants better things for you than you can imagine? Would you, would you chase an enemy down the road and drive it from your life? Or do you just sit back and go, eh, it's a real shame that this is in my life. I can't get rid of it. Do we have that kind of belief? That God is with us. The first is that God uses the faithful, bold actions of his people. You see it in verse 9. They get up early, they march all night, and they fight. The Lord threw the enemy into confusion, and they were defeated with a great victory. Look at Israel pursued them along the road going to Beth Horon and cut them down. Like they kept chasing the enemy back. They're like, we are not going to stop until you're defeated. We are not going to quit. 
I've seen many times when I'm sitting and talking to people and they're having a hard time, there's a crisis, you know what I mean? The enemy's amongst us. Like, it's, it's a battle's raging and we're like, we got to find a way forward. We got to fight together. We're going to do this. And it's a husband and a wife or it's a mother and a daughter or if it's a, whatever's going on. And they're fighting like crazy. And you know what happens? God begins to give them victory in their life. Like, they begin to apply the biblical principles. They begin to pray. They begin to believe God's promises for their life. And they begin to pursue the enemy. But as soon as the enemy turns and starts to run, you know what they do? They pull back and go, whoo, that's over. Do you believe that you should continue to pursue God in your life? That you should run all the way to the end of that road, that you should drive that enemy from you because it seeks to destroy you. It's not a game. Jesus himself demonstrated that on the cross. This isn't a joke. God's faithful people acting boldly, believing promises that God has made to us, saying, I will not, I'm not going to quit. And then the second thing is this, and it happens in verse 10 and 11. It says, the Lord threw down, threw him in a confusion, and then large hailstones fell from the sky. Like, God will use environment. God will use circumstances. If you're believing in him and his promises, and you know what happens, we often think, oh, the whole world's against us. But the truth is, when you begin to be on mission with God, the world turns to be with you. Like, not the world, but I'm saying the things that God has in the world, he begins to use them to defeat your enemies amongst you. Like, that's what it says. It says there's more killed by hailstones stones and the sword. You go, it's impossible. How is that possible? With God, all things are possible. And he worked on behalf of his people. He wanted them to win. Some of you believe like we're destined to lose. You know what I mean? Like we're on the wrong side of this. Poor us. If we had a bigger God, like he is with us. He hates your enemies. He hates things that destroys your family. He hates things that encumbers your relationships. And we tolerate it. The God that created us, that knit us together, desires for us to have success. James says it this way. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's crazy. Submit to God, therefore. And resist the devil. Pick it up with me. Verse 12. So on that day, the Lord Yahweh gave the Amorites over to Israel. He handed them over. And Joshua said to the Lord Yahweh, in the presence of all Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Ahalan. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as is written in the book of Jashar. Interesting little quote in the middle of this story, isn't it? It says, in the middle of the battle when God had given the enemy over, Joshua cried out to the Lord, son, stand still. Look at what it says next. That, that's taken from a, this book called the book of Jashar. We're going to talk about that for a brief minute. But look what it says next. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and it delayed going down almost a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since. The sun stood still. Right? Things changed that day. God did something different that day. The book of Jashar is interesting because the, the word Jashar means the, the righteous or the just, right? And here, it, Joshua is quoting this book, and he's saying, there's other, story, there's other recordings of this event that happened. 
right? Or some would say it was in Deuteronomy, the book of the righteous. This is recorded, a promise of God that he would do this work. And what's really funny about this is this, right? Like, we live, we're all figured stuff out now, right? We're all scientifically minded, right? And we've been doing the scientific theory stuff for a while, and we're pretty sure we know how stuff works now. We're getting pretty smart, right? And we go, well, that's not possible. You know, how many of you have, like, passed, like, sixth grade science? I don't know. None of you? Good. <laughs> no, I know. The earth spins like this, and it's going pretty quick. Then the earth goes like this around the sun. That's the sound it makes. If you're out in space, you can hear it. You can't hear it from here. I know. And then the moon's going around the earth like this. Right? Are you with me? I'm trying to teach you science. And Joshua says, in the middle of all that thing happening, God said, stop. talk to a scientist they go that's not possible you know right now you're going like what is it 20 does anybody know 26,500 miles an hour is that true yeah I see somebody taught me that thank God for teachers so you know if you've been on like a roller coaster and it stops there's a tendency to keep going <laughs> right and so these guys are like that's not possible because if it stops everything goes 26,500 miles an hour that way, right? And the whole thing's like, it's not possible. And yet, with God, oh, anything's possible. Let me walk it out for you for a minute. You're buzzing through life, man. You're going a thousand miles an hour. Your wife's like, honey, we got to go on a date. You're like, I ain't got time for a date. Your kids are like, mom, please read me a book. You're like, I ain't got time to read you a book. And all these things were going so fast. You know, your mom, why don't you ever call me? Your dad, all these broken relationships are distant because we're so busy. We're going a thousand miles an hour. And then one day we hear a word like cancer, divorce. Abandonment issues for our children. Suicide. What happens? Stop. Everything stops. That's not possible. You know, in my life, I can't stop. Stop. I've had the opportunity to set with my children and have conversations where the world slows down. Do you know what I mean? Not like super dad conversations, don't get me wrong. I mean conversations where you walk in and you're just broken. And you're just, you're screwed things up. Or they've screwed things up. Do you ever have that? And like your world goes numb. You hear something from a loved one that you cannot believe. And it's like slow motion. You know how I know those kind of days happen because at night we'll lay our head down on the pillow at night and we'll go, oh man, I'm so tired. This was the longest day. Scientifically, 24 hours, same as yesterday, same as tomorrow. Oh man, it was a long day. It happens not just with times of trouble, with times of great joy. You go, man, this has been an awesome day. This is the best day ever. truth is 
that we believe we have the answers to all the universes and our workings, and we believe that we can dictate because of our great minds what is and is not possible. But with God, all things are possible. And he proves it repeatedly in our life. And I know some of you are here saying, you ain't believing it. You're like, I ain't saying believe in that. I ain't believing that. I hear you. I would encourage you to keep looking, listening, and asking questions because God is demonstrating truth. All things are possible. In times of joy and profound struggle, everything slows down. I don't know what that means, and I'm not trying to give an answer to this because I think God stopped the sun. You know what it says? The sun lingered over the battle until it was won. You know the S-U-N sun? It's like the S-O-N sun. He's just hovering over your life until the battle is won. And you look and you go, how is this going to work? This is impossible. And he's just covering you. He's waiting. He's waiting for the victory to be declared. It's so beautiful and it's so true. And my question for you, and this is a hard one maybe, is this, what? Are you facing your life right now that you think God can't handle? Like, what are the problems that you go, you know what, God, I know you're big, and I know you're there, and I believe you, and I'm praying to you, and I go to church, or I read my Bible, or I just hang out with believers, and I know you're there, but you fundamentally, listen, don't believe that God can deal with what you're dealing with right now. What is that for you? I don't know if you're like me, but for me, there's a list comes right to mind, four or five things where I've just been acting like God ain't big enough for that. God can't handle that. And that's a tragedy. All right, we're going to press on to the end here. You ready? Picking up in verse 16. Now the five kings had fled and hidden in the cave at Makeda, Right, And when Joshua was told that the five kings had been found hiding in the cave of Makeda, he said, roll a large rock in the mouth of that cave and post them in to guard it, but don't stop chasing your enemies. Look at what it says. Attack them from the rear and do not let them get back to their cities because Yahweh, your God, has given them into your hand. He says, trap the kings, but chase the enemies. Don't be afraid. God has delivered them into your hands. So Joshua and the Israelites destroyed them completely. Listen, almost to a man, but the few who were left reached their fortified cities. The whole army then returned safely to Joshua in the camp at Makeda and no one uttered a word against the Israelites no one uttered a word against the Israelites you know what we see here is that it still happens today when we can't deal with the reality of God in our life there's two choices we can make we can run and hide or we can run and run and run and run and run and run run and run and run and run and the truth is, these kings, you know, these kings, they had run off, they found a cave, and they hid in this cave, and they're like, we're safe in here. These five bold, crazy kings who were going to defeat Gibeon, they were going to defeat Israel, and now they're hiding, hunkered down in a cave, and they're like, we're safe. The truth is that if you are running from God, and you are hiding in your cave of your life, thinking you're safe there, you're only in a trap of your own making. Hear me, you're only there trapping yourself for God's day. 
He said, roll a stone in front of it and chase the enemies. And the second, and so it keeps you safe for a while. Hiding out in your cave, you're safe for a while. Some of you have been hiding in a cave for a while, right? You're like, I'm in here and I'm safe. It's okay. It's my secret space. No one knows I'm here except God, right? And I'm just going to hang out here until this battle is over. It's a lie. And then others of you just keep running. I'm faster than this. He'll never catch me. And they run, and they run, and they run, and it works for a while. It works for a while. It says some of these dudes got back to the fortified cities. You know how if you're getting guys cut down behind you and you just keep running, and you hit the gate, and they pull that door shut, and you're like, oh, 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 I made it for a minute, for a minute, because you're only safe as long as you're running. You're only safe as long as you're running. And that's a trap. And that's a lie. The truth is this, that defeating God is the only thing that's not possible. That's impossible to beat God. You won't beat God. And that's what the enemies of God do not understand. They will not beat him. So they keep running. I'll pick up here now. It says this. Joshua goes back in verse 22. He says, open the mouth of that cave and bring out those five kings to me. So the, the Israelites, they, they have now defeated these king's men, and they bring out the kings out of the cave. The kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, I'm in verse 23, uh, Lashish and Eglon. And when they had brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel and to the commanding armies, the army's commanders, I should say, who had come with him. He said, come here. And he said, put your feet on their neck. Put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came forward and they placed their feet on their necks. And Joshua said these words for 25, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Be strong and courageous. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? This is what Yahweh will do to all the enemies that you are going to fight. This is their end. He will win. All the enemies will die. Look at verse 26. Then Joshua struck and killed the kings. He struck and killed them. And he hung them on five trees. And they were left hanging on the trees until evening. That's a crazy scene from the Bible right there. Right? I mean, can you imagine if you're one of those commanders in the army and you're like, they're like, come up here and just put your foot on this dude's neck. And stand here, because this is what it looks like to be an enemy of God. And the most tragic thing about that is that many of us are still there, and we don't even know it. Like, we're just at God's mercy. He's got us. We don't even know that. And this is where their delusion comes to an end. They will not beat God. They will not beat God. So my question then... For you is this. My last question today. What will you choose to do? Will you choose to run? Will you choose to hide? Or will you choose to turn and submit to the Holy God that's been chasing you down the road? You know what I mean? Will you really just give it over to him? Those are your options. And it's up to you. You know? What you do. The truth is that um, God has made a way for us. I want you to hear what happens at the end of that verse. He says he takes the, takes the five kings and he kills them. And then he hangs them on a tree. The word says so their bodies could be exposed. It was a show. And 
I'm reminded, Mike reminded me this morning when we came in, that from our doors you can see the cross up here. I want you to look at the cross. These five kings were strung up on a pole. And they were exposed to the whole world. All their power, all their glory, all their threats of defeat to the enemy. And God made an example out of them. This is what it looks like, listen to me, to be an enemy of God. These five kings, this is what it looks like. Here's what blew me away. It says he left them up till evening and they took him down and he threw him in the cave and he rolled the rocks back against it and they're there to this day, those king's bones in their grave. God himself put his son on this cross to bear our sin. Hear me this morning. And some of you are still hiding out in a little cave. You're like, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna work out. Some of you are run, 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 running. I'm, gonna, I'll, I'm getting tired, but I'm not quite, I'm gonna make it. I'll find safety somewhere. Jesus Christ was laid out on that cross as a sign as a gift, as a replacement for me and you. And so the decision that we have to make today, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want to go to your cross with your sin? Do you want to be one of those that God says, this is what it looks like to be the enemy of God? Or do you want to receive Jesus Christ and say, he is my sacrifice. I am his servant. He is my Lord. I am his son. This is the choice that we have to make today. And nothing has changed, and I told you that. All this time, nothing has changed. The gift is Christ on the cross I hope if you don't know him, you'll receive him today. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to ask you to pray with me, but I'm going to say this, that the truth is, and this is for all your life, not just, you know, you one time made this decision to follow Jesus, but everywhere in our lives, are we going to do that thing? Are we going to believe in Jesus for his promises? Are we going to let him take our sin and shame and submit and follow him as a servant in every way? If you want to do that today, you can. We, we, um, we believe the promises. We're going to confess that we're sinners and repent and turn and uh, be received. So you can pray with me if you want to. It's not a show. It's not a joke. It's for real. Please join me in prayer if you would. Father God, uh, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, we thank you so much for the chance we have to, to be in relationship with you, Lord. And I, I confess, Father, all the times that we get this wrong, that we make it about us or about something else, and it's about you and what you've done on the cross. Father God, for the sins that we rightly should be displayed for, we repent and we ask for your forgiveness for those sins, for the things that we're carrying right now that are hidden secrets that we think, oh, if that got out, I'd be mortified. I pray that today we would accept Christ as our substitute for those sins. That we would take his righteousness, that he could take our sin. 
And Father, for the, the, uh, the opportunity we've been given to know him and pursue him and believe in him and follow him and grow in him, we give you thanks and praise. We confess to you that we do it wrong and we want to do it right. We want to follow you more purely and the only way we can do that is with you. And so today, Father, we submit to you as, as individual people but as your body. What would you have us to do, Lord? Show us today. Who you, would you have us to reconcile with or pray for or love on? We submit to you today. Teach us and lead us, guide us. And we'll give you praise and glory now and forever because you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.